Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We have a doozy of a show for all of you listeners today. As I finally pulled that rabbit out of my hat, I called Chris Halioris. I said, Chris, given your connection to the Mississippi State program, given that you consider Nuno Borges, I'm not going to say a surrogate son, but a surrogate nephew, certainly. The fact that we haven't had him on the podcast is an atrocity, is a crime to tennis podcasting, so it's time to pull that card, give Nuno a call, ask him if he would be available to come on the Cracked Interview Show, and guess what? The answer to that question was a resounding yes. So we are joined on today's show by former Mississippi State All-American, three-time SEC men player of the year and current ATP world number 296 Nuno Borges to talk about it all folks his prolific college tennis career at Mississippi State even talking about what it meant for him how he made that decision to come from Portugal to Starkville Mississippi we talk about his recruiting process his development through college both on and off the court and then of course we dive into his pro career he recently won his first ATP level main draw match in Estoril ended up beating Jordan Thompson after coming through qualifying. He then lost a three-set match to Marin Chilich. I wanted to ask him, what's the difference in the level between the highest uh, rates of college tennis and, of course, when you get into these ATP-level events in the ATP game? And he answers all of those questions. Such a candid interview. You can tell how comfortable he is around Chris, who joins us on today's show. And as such, it makes for a fantastic podcast. So very much looking forward to all of you listeners hearing today's show. Of course, the reason we're able to to do this day in day out is because of the support we get from all of you listeners from our cracked rackets patreon family and of course from our friends at midwest sports go to midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 to get 15 percent off your order free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding 75 dollars best of all a free can of wilson extra duty tennis balls midwestsports.com the promo code is cr15 i will also remind all of you listeners i am recording this intro live from orlando as i am covering this year's 2021 NCAA Division I Men's and Women's Tennis Championships. If you missed any of our interviews with the coaches beforehand, you can catch them all here on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Of course, be sure to tune into the mini break to hear daily recaps from Chris Halliors, Matt Stachowiak, and myself talking about all of the action that unfolds. I know there's been some high-level ATP and WTA matches, and we'll cover all of that on Tuesday when we have a day off here at NCAAs. But for now, sticking with a somewhat college tangent theme and a fantastic episode for all of you listeners. So without further ado, here's our conversation with the one and only Nuno Borges. Hey Cracked fans, as winter slowly turns into spring and all of us look forward to getting back on the outdoor tennis courts, we here at Crack Rackets want to ensure that you listeners have everything you need to make sure your return to outdoor tennis is a successful one. That's where our friends at Gamma Sports come in. Now, if you need new strings, new grips, new court equipment, ball hoppers, machine tools, and accessories, whatever it may be, our friends at Gamma have it all for you. They've also, of course, got dampeners, over grips, replacement grips. They've got it all. And if you go to their website, gammasports.com slash tennis right now, you use our promo code CRACK20, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, I know Gamma has a new string pattern in the queue called the React Pro. 
Pro, which all of you Gamma String users will enjoy. And even if you're not using Gamma Strings, maybe now's the time to start, but they've also got polyesters, everything you could be looking for from a tennis equipment standpoint, all in one location. Just go to gammasports.com slash tennis right now. Use that promo code CRACK20 to get 20% off your order. Again, gammasports.com slash tennis. Use that promo code CRACK20 to get 20% off your order. Joining us on the podcast today, and folks, this episode has been a long time coming because, as many of you know, Chris Hallioris, the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula who joins us for all things college tennis, has deep ties to the Mississippi State Tennis Program. Well, joining us on the show today, a former three-time SEC Player of the Year, All-American, and now ATP number 301, Nuno Borges. Nuno, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm I'm doing I'm doing great, thank you. Like um, you said, I'm 301. I'm pretty pretty happy about that. So no, it's a good time for me. <laughs> I want you to know that my initial intro had and finishing fourth place in the 2019 Chris Hallioris Thanksgiving Olympics is Nuno Borges. <laughs> but I, I didn't want to get too deep into it right away. But obviously, Chris is here with us, and I know your ties go deep. Uh, just for you in general to experience this sort of success of late, to you know have people like Chris and I know your Mississippi State family going nuts. Has that you know? What has that support meant to you? Uh, I mean, it was a first a first time for me to go to college, and mm-hmm. I didn't really know the culture going on, and it was all uh, it's all very new to me. So, I mean, Chris and uh, Trevor's family exactly they they made me feel super welcome, and like you said, I, I didn't even know I was fourth, which is pretty positive for me. I, I got the idea; I got completely destroyed. <laughs> and finished like I don't know before last like maybe last <laughs> that's how I felt back then because Chris would make fun of me but <laughs> yeah I mean I had a really good time and like you said the, he's got deep roots and I'm one of those roots I hope and uh, they're all connected we got a, a very like a family like a, a, a second family going on there and it was it was a great time it was a great time yeah, so so clearly, Grusk and I go. You know, I, I'm there day one from you know when when Nuno shows up, and I, I don't even I know the things I remember. Half of these things are probably long gone from Nuno's mind, but I have to. So I have yeah. to ask Nuno. I remember talking, and I'm talking to Trevor after you show up, and you guys get straight into fitness when you get there, and <laughs> like all I remember is Nuno shows up, and everybody knows Nuno's going to be great he's a great tennis player he's going to be a stud and they get into the conditioning and fitness and do do you remember what you what you told him when you guys got into having to do the time runs and everything else like i can't remember when was that was like like the first first few days back yeah yeah for right when you get there you're like folks get to school yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be the slowest weakest guy just (laughs) you know i'm just telling you right now slowest weakest guy (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, yeah for, for, sure, for sure. I I can see myself saying that. I don't remember exactly, but I I imagine myself saying that for sure. Mm-hmm. And for um, you, yeah, Chris yeah. mentions it there. You know, anyone who watches you, the forehand, the serve, it's clear you are really good at swinging a racket. Uh, that is something you're very talented at. How to Chris's point, did the fitness stuff come a little later when you first got to Mississippi State? How big of a shock was that? You know, how serious the conditioning was. 
I mean, like Chris said, I was I knew I was gonna be the slowest because I saw the guys going after like machines, and I'm like, what am I gonna do here? I'm gonna be humiliated. <laughs> but I guess that was like a, also a, a motivation for me to now keep up with the guys, and I got a lot better at it. I mean, by the second, third year, I was already feeling pretty good about you know being on the team and not being actually the slowest <laughs> all the time, maybe sometimes, <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't see myself as a stud back then, uh, in uh, like coming in as a freshman, and it was all like a very shocking experience. Not just fitness, just the way we compete there. It's it's a big shock from what I was used to. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the at, end of freshman oh, sorry, year, who, who yeah. wins the race up the hill? You or Sanchez? <laughs> Oof. Maybe on the long run, I, I beat him, but like on the first few, he, he beats me. <laughs> <laughs> he was not good at, you know, getting the, the fifth set in after that. that. After that, he was like, he was done. But I, I was a little better in shape just because, you know, throughout the summers and stuff, I would still compete and he would maybe lack a little more. So I had a little advantage. No, absolutely. And for you, you know, you talk about the tennis versus the fitness and it all clicking. You know, I believe your freshman year, you guys went to Champaign and beat Illinois, right, in that second-round yeah. match to advance uh-huh. to the round of 16. And, you know, at that point, you get a win over Hiltzik. You're playing, I think, number two in the lineup at that point. Maybe it's number three. I think three. Yeah, that number three. That weekend I did play three, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys had, you know, that sort of win, that sort of moment, because from there you go on to win three SEC Players of the Year. Mm-hmm. By the end of your freshman year, how comfortable were you in college tennis and what do you remember? Because obviously that win was the start of a fantastic four year run. Yeah, that's actually a crazy story. I don't know if Chris remembered how the week before that I was, I was, I wasn't even playing. I practiced like the day before or two days before that NCAA two rounds. Do you remember Chris? Yeah. You had a, you, you had something done, right? Uh, Yeah. I, yeah. I had a little a little thing, and then I was out for like a week and a half or so, maybe. And uh, and yeah, that was crazy. I came back to to play great tennis after just really tough tennis. The guys were so loud at Illinois, and I mean, I remember it so well. It was like a a changing moment, not just for me. I mean, more for the team. I think we we exceeded our expectations. You know, beating that team four zero at their house at NCAAs it was really like a starting point for what the team could could possibly be by the end of the third year like you said and not just not just for me but like yeah I mean third year was probably the even the fourth year was already like uh we already had a system going our routines going it was a well-oiled machine um going there and we I think we overachieved as a team for sure and maybe it started in the end that weekend against against Illinois and Memphis that first round. Mm-hmm. And for you personally, and then Chris, I promise I'll let you back in. But uh, you know that next season, you take off personally. You go, I think, thirty-six and seven overall, twenty and three in dual matches. And you know I, you're playing that at the number one singles spot. And the again, second year already. Yeah, your sophomore year. Not that I'm. You know, again, you're pretty good. I would I would argue at that point. And um, you know, I, I'm curious for you because you were a top fifty junior, right? You were someone who had a bunch of success 
as you were growing up. But, you know, what clicked for you personally? What allowed you to make that jump to be, you know, from a top three playing in the lineup to SEC player of the year? I have no idea. I mean, I didn't <laughs> imagine uh, being number one by the beginning of the second year. You know, I I got there and I didn't even expect to play number two and three straight away. I mean, I was starting. I, I remember my second match was against Nori and against TCU. And I played Jared Hiltzik, probably my first match ever. And then my last <laughs> match that year against the, his brother. <laughs> which is funny and so it was the first and last match of the semesters against those two <laughs> and uh I, I mean i could never imagine being you know three-time sc player of the year and you know even winning that many matches even that first fall was all a very big surprise to me because i mean i only had one chance to to make it to nationals and somehow i i win every every fight I had in those regionals I I made it and when I started uh, the second year as number one it was also a, another experience in a in a different way I mean I felt a little a little bad that our seniors weren't you know ahead of me and I also had like an added pressure to actually stay there myself and also not let the team down um yeah it was but also a pushing pushing face for me to you know keep going and develop and develop but i would never i would never imagine being you know winning that much and uh, and you know looking back it's it's actually crazy how many matches i won and the whole the whole thing has been just literally a, a dream come true and two stc championships <laughs> it's it's all very crazy no, there's no doubt so, about that. So go back to your to your coming in, just coming to the states, right? I mean, I know obviously you end up at Mississippi State. Where where else, you know, where are you looking? What's on what's on the list? Is it a big list, a short list? Uh, you know, the I things I, I look think, back to. <laughs> I think I remember uh I think I remember that the old Miss guys talking. So I don't know if you went there yeah. or you did go to Old Miss. Okay, because I, I I thought I remembered them talking about you uh when uh when Wait. trevor had because i think he had ta talked to both of them as well you're saying as uh oh before college as a before, yeah 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 i actually don't remember old miss reaching out to me so it may, it may have been another school but what yeah what I was what was the florida. list for you <laughs> florida was there i had a uh, kentucky uh maybe tennessee not sure i mean the coaches have switched up so much since then so it's hard for me, but not, I mean, I had a few big schools, but my best offers were for sure Mississippi State and Florida, just scholarship wise. And I mean, also I had Wake Forest uh, talking to me. They had a very, a very good offer as well, but I just really connected with, uh, with Tanner and Matt. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I, that's, that's the major conversations I had was all with them. I, I basically ignored everybody else. So how, how much did you know? I mean, so we talk about this a lot with the European mm -hmm. guys, right? You don't really know the American college system. So when you start getting schools to contact you, you know, yeah. what do you know about how much, you know, 
the Florida history or a Mississippi state, not as much history, or, you yeah. know, even a school, if a school like a Memphis wow. or a whatever, that's maybe not a power five, are you even aware of the fact that there's a power five conference thing no. going on in the United States no, no, and then no, no. there's mid majors, right? All, you don't... All, all you just said, there's just a big no, like, <laughs> no, no, like nobody knows anything. I mean, at least here in Portugal, they start being more aware because now we got a bunch of Portuguese guys, but the history of the teams, uh, like all that, the whole culture of college is just a, a big, uh, a big blank for us. It's, I, even I had my coach's son came to Eastern Kentucky. The program is no longer a thing, but he, he was the first one to actually introduce me to what college is and how does it work. So I knew the, six singles three doubles thing i knew the scholarships thing how they can change which later maybe the rule have changed a little bit and uh, they don't have that much pressure now but like he told me like how, how you'd lose and you'd maybe lose scholarship and you also have to stay with good grades to keep the scholarship you know academically up you know stuff like that that was that was the vague idea i had about college that i had no idea about the teams I mean, literally, no. T I would know no teams, like nothing. The whole conference <laughs> thing was also new. He told me, oh, yeah, we play in a conference, but like I have no idea how many teams, the region, if it's a thing or not. Uh, yeah, like it's, I mean, there it's easy, you know, people live there and they can go watch and watch on TV and follow it all the time. And it's, you know, it's part of the culture already, but here it's, the system is so different. We have like uh, university sports as well, but it's not as developed and deep as the NCAAs, you know. It's and like it's just a very, a very uh, miss. How do you say that? We we're not we haven't learned anything about it, and a lot of guys even follow the, the American sports like NBA. Not so much baseball, but NBA is a big thing here too, mm -hmm. but. College is not really, nobody keeps up with it. So it really, we really don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And for you, I'm curious, the flip side, you arrive on campus and I'm sure it helps that you have, you know, Trevor and Strali and the whole crew. But, uh, and by the way, I'm sure at the end of senior year, you never lost to Strali because we all saw him his senior year. Come on. Like, there's no way you ever lost a race to him. Come on, wait. That's just a fact. We all know that. No, what you didn't see was what Strali looked like before senior year, after <laughs> senior year. Oh. That's what you got to look at. Like, that's the funny part. It's like end of third year and then start of fourth year. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. No, absolutely. But, you know, to get back, so you first arrived, and I'm sure you knew you were coming in with fellow recruits, but you didn't know them that well. But... Portugal to Starkville, Mississippi. What is that transition like? Just you know, cultural wise, or just even the food you're eating, all of the above. How much of a shock was it to you? It was it was a big shock for sure. I mean, I, I saw like one of the first few things was the types of cars they had. Like mm -hmm. every guy had a car in the university, which it's not a thing back here. And mm -hmm. the way people go to university with car and I mean, I live in a city where, you know, it's packed. There's no really – kids our age don't really have cars and driver's license even sometimes because they don't have time. So we just take 
public transports all the way to the university and it's kind of spread out over the city it's not even it's not even all in one even though it's huge and it's a huge campus there's only university things going on inside and there's just the city with some different buildings spread out the city that <laughs> belong to university you know so that's that's a, a big difference right there um i mean cafeteria the food obviously was a a tough transition i love the food here and i think we do eat very well for you know a lot of countries i've seen so that was a big adaptation for me to you know learn how to eat i started being a lawless picky i think thanks to that because i i didn't have as many options or the options i, I would like to have so i learned how to eat a lot of things when i come back my mom always uh comment, commented on that like how i'm i'm less picky now and it's, it's a good thing it's a good thing so no the, absolutely the food, i was yeah, gonna say the... i so i was a college freshman not too long ago first three weeks is it ice cream every day <laughs> before i knew where the ice cream was that took forever <laughs> Just learning yeah. the whole cafeteria <laughs> thing. Like, where do I need to go to get this? Like, I knew where I wanted already, but I didn't know where to go or <laughs> the hours of the cafeteria. That that took forever. <laughs> How about the diet restrictions from Roberts, though? I mean, was was that a change for you, or did you already kind of? I mean, eat? he he got. I think he got like a. I mean, on me, he wasn't so strict on me there was more guys that you know go off off the road more than me so he wouldn't worry as much about me but mm -hmm. uh i never i never really did so many you know bad meals i'd say but mm -hmm. well um, i'm, I'm but curious because you talk control about control us yeah that and then, much you know <laughs> we're eating on our own yeah basically. Well, I'm curious, and I apologize for cutting you off because, and I have a photo I will tweet out simultaneously to this podcast, but you talk about some of the cultural, you know, the adjustments you have to make. I'm going to put it up on the screen so that you can see it. This is a young <laughs> Nuno on his scooter. You know, first of all, a beautiful haircut. Credit to Chris for that photo. Yes, of course. That's it. I remember <laughs> that. We, we went to eat breakfast at Starkville Cafe, huh? Yeah, that's exactly Something what like that. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so again, just scootering around campus, going to class, all of these different things. But this is get it, Gruskin. That's like a mile and a half from campus. <laughs> that's not on campus. Nuno's no. pushing. Nuno's riding that scooter a mile and a half to meet us for breakfast. We're like, Nuno, we can pick you up. This is Thanksgiving, the year after they graduated. Nuno's still there, finishing his last semester. Mm -hmm. I'm picking the guys up uh, to bring them back for Thanksgiving and. And we meet Nuno for breakfast uh, and he's staying in town and he's like, he comes up on the scooter. I'm like, I can't pass this up. And we're leaving. <laughs> and I, I run down to the sidewalk as he hops on his scooter to get a picture of him and he can't get out of it. Uh, yeah. And it gets to, again, four years later, uh, looking back at it, Starkville became home. Did it not? For sure. For sure. I mean, I spend more time there than my house in the, you know, those four years. So, and even when I was home in Portugal, I would be traveling to tournaments. So it really felt like my place with the guys. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And again, I want to talk more about the time there and we will get to your pro successes because of course, uh, there have been so many of late, but you know, I, I say it all the time, most underrated player of the 2010s, Nuno Borges. And so we finally had the chance to explore some of those things, you know, 
sophomore, junior, senior year, but that that junior year in particular stands out in my head because if memory serves me correctly, that was the year you guys make the SEC Conference Tournament Final. I think you guys get knocked off by Florida in that final, but you know that year NCAA, no, they don't lose. Uh, they beat them. You beat them? No. It's junior year, they beat Florida in we the semis Florida and A&M in the, in the finals. Oh, A&M in the finals. That's what yes. it was. Yes. And they yes. beat A&M. That's yes. Right. So you win SEC tournament that year. Thank you. This is why we have you here, Chris. Um, and by the way, there's no way he has notes open. This is like, this is where he goes. <laughs> no, all off the top of the head. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Who, who clinched that match? Who clinched A&M, Chris? Trevor. Yeah, exactly. Trevor. That one we all remember. Breaks from 4-5. Breaks from 5-6. Down 6-4 <laughs> in the breaker. Oh. Four straight points to win the breaker, eight six. I mean, how many hooks? How many hooks? No, I'm just kidding. I, I, <laughs> I don't know, but two, zero. He never hooks. Clean. That's what mattered. Yeah, that's yeah. No, <laughs> that I'm was just, pay, that was kind of painful from I'm, his perspective. Yeah, I'm yeah. just talking some smack because that's what I do. But you know <laughs> that that junior year, you guys win the conference tournament, and then. You guys make the quarterfinals, and it's 4-3. You know, it comes down to you and Torp. That's one of those flip the coin, anything can happen. When you look back on that season, because the next year you guys are front runners, but, I mean, just that – I feel like you look at that team, that junior year team, that one could have won a national championship. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that national championship was unfortunate because I, I had so much confidence throughout mm-hmm. the season, and – Towards the end, I got a little bit of, uh, you know, insecurity going on. I don't, I don't even know. It's just one of those things, like, you lose confidence at some point, you know. I feel like I I was doing something very good, and then I lost a few matches here and there that I wasn't – something going on with my game, I didn't feel good. And I go to those nationals, and I, I could not finish one match. It got always suspended. And I was battling, you know, and I think if I could get one win there before I get to play, you know, Torp, I would have more confidence Mm -hmm. and be a little cleaner and not get to the point where I'm exhausted on that third set and lose like four out of five games in deuce Mm -hmm. and, you know, lose six one in the third, but literally could have gone, you know, four one to me instead of four one to him. Mm -hmm. So no, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a painful memory to you know remind and losing quarters there, but I I literally think we could uh, we could have brought a national championship home. It would have been a, a tough battle, but we we had our chances for sure. Mm-hmm. And the reason I ask, and you know, again, I, apologies for bringing up the bad memory. If you're going to swear at me, now is probably the time. But that fall, <laughs> you also go to Indian Wells, right? And you win the title, and you beat Petros in mm-hmm. straights, who ends up winning the singles title that year. And just, yeah. you know, for I would say your last three years, you were one of, if not the best player in college tennis. And when you look at the experience you got over the course of those three years. Uh, and you see how it's reflected in your pro results, right? You're uh, some crazy record since it's like yep. uh, I have it here in front of me. Since the tour resumed in August, you're 50 and 13, uh, which is nuts. How how different is the level between you know the top of what you're playing one singles for three straight years in college to what you're now seeing on the pro circuit? I think the level isn't. It's no different at all from, you know, playing a final of the future, you know, playing one in college. But the whole system is built different. So the preparation, how the players feeling and, the you know, how they come into the match, that's what's completely different. And having the team around, you know, not playing just for yourself, it also brings up, you know, 
different kind of feeling when you're playing. So that's why it's hard to compare because a guy in, in a match playing for three years in university, it's hard for him to just tank and give up on a match. You don't really see that often. Where in futures, this guy could be coming from playing five weeks straight in a foreign country, feeling like complete crap, maybe got food poisoning somewhere in between, haven't done any conditioning, and he's just like, I can't, just gives up. Mm-hmm. You know, and people don't really see the 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 background before that match to see like oh he's, I mean you see this all the time but like it, it shouldn't really uh, you know devalue how futures is and just say college is great because it's just so different but the players are just it's the same level honestly and if you play in that top power five conference probably the level is just it's just as high of a a 25 25k futures you know when play around here maybe now it's a little inflated the players are you know it's very very competitive you wouldn't say you would go one through six all those players could be winning the, the futures but for sure some the majority of the teams can can have a have a chance of you know competing in those tournaments and even challengers mm-hmm. yeah no and to follow up on that because i think that's such a fascinating thought and i appreciate your candidness i wish you know I wish Chris and Trevor coming out of Mississippi State were this thoughtful because, mm. uh, you know, we both know they're not. Um, but, you know, to your, you know, just the easy shot, have to take it. And, and I, I we should have brought Trevor on the show as well. Just uh, But anyways, to get back to it, because, you know, it, it's such an interesting thought. Do you think it's easier to succeed in college time? I mean, the the obvious answer is yes, but why is it easier to succeed in college times? We've seen some guys have some incredible college careers and then it fizzles out on the pros. Is it simply, it's the resources, it's the preparation, the fact that you do have, I guess it's really, how lonely is it out there in the pros compared to college? Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on your mentality. I -hmm. see some players really flourishing after college. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I mean, Henry Craig, I don't think he's competing anymore, but Mm -hmm. I mean, he was good in college but when i saw him in futures he was actually very good you know and able to win futures i don't know if he won any but i'm sure he had the level too and uh so i don't know what was his process but obviously it was different than mine but you know he he really did well after college but i think like you said it, it is easier in in college because everything is taken care for you. I mean, obviously you need to give all your best and take care of school at the same time, which is not easy. Like, like I said, it depends on your mentality. Like what do you want to do and how, how much you want to, you know, improve from, you know, this experience of being in college. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it really sucks sometimes to be in a uh, futures, you know, like this past week I was playing a 15 K and uh, first I, I honestly didn't want to play it. I honestly didn't want to play it. I'm 300 and I'm not bragging about it, but like futures don't really help my ranking so much. So obviously I go towards the tournament, not feeling like I I'm winning that much from it. I'm just going for the competition. And that's like in college that doesn't exist. You know, <laughs> you, you get to play those matches no matter what, even if you lose and you're playing as a team, you always get like the team support you always have a coach around. You always have like a, a trainer going with you and taking care of you. And you can get so much out of out of all that. And some players really don't appreciate it because once you go to pro, it's really like 
it really tests you in in some ways and i spent i spent a lot of time alone on the road and i can't say it is like i like being alone but long term it really doesn't help me i, I started going crazy you know like i play by myself i have nowhere to look at it when and say come on and you know try to pump up so it, it is a I, I think there's no doubt college is just a, a better setting so you can always do your best and always be at your max level compared to, you know, pro pro circuit. It's hard to be always at your best. So so, tell, so what was the transition? I mean, obviously, even more strange with COVID and everything else that went on. But once once you left, you know, prior to COVID, and I know you battled through some injuries, so you kind of had some start and stop and start and stop going on in there. But just trying to get out there and, you know, get into futures, uh, you know, at some points getting in was even difficult, right? Having to get yeah. wild cards just to get into futures mm -hmm. uh, and, and get points. And then everything from like, you talked about the resources. I know, you know, you can tell us about your representation now and what you get out of that. But, you know, when you first leave, all of a sudden you've got nothing. You, you don't have your coach. You don't have the, you don't have your trainer. You have no conditioning. I don't know, you know, were you using the the Portuguese Federation or like what, you know, what did you go through and what was the, the steps to get to where you are right now? I mean, I have my base here in Maya. I have a place to practice, a place to do conditioning and, which is great, but I don't have a coach to travel to, like to travel with me all the time. But that transition of going back to playing, I mean, I gotta say, I got extremely lucky with uh, how the Federation provided us like the first few weeks tournaments. And I mean, since then I have, I've been playing 80% of the time in Portugal. Now I, this start this year, I went to Turkey and went to Spain a couple of times, but I got to play many, many weeks in Portugal. And, and I already had a few points from the previous summers, which was perfect because I, I still had a chance to, you know, get in directly. And even if I didn't, I probably would get a wildcard, which, I mean, I just got very lucky with all that situation of, you know, coming back from the pandemic, you know, starting the, the circuit again I and mean, we got all those tournaments playing at home i mean it was it was like we got very very lucky and i i always say that to like we gotta appreciate that we don't we didn't even have to leave the country to to play those tournaments and that's that's why i've been able to you know go up so so well so far so, so i know you start those portuguese federation matches and this is one of my favorite stories and i i even yeah. i I don't know if he told you this, but uh, and I don't, how do you say his last name? Is it Morgado Jose, the Morga. Portuguese uh -huh. journalist? Morgado, Morgado, Morgado. He's famous around Twitter, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, well, and and I talk to him every now and then, and you know, he's you know, he loves obviously following you. But we were we were talking about at the those Portuguese Federation matches, the very first one, right? You make it through the first round. And of course, me wanting the best pathway to winning, I'm like, oh, let's try to get the best draw. And you draw, you draw Joao Sousa first match yeah. in the in the <laughs> finals. And I text Nuno and I'm like, man, what a bummer on the draw. And Nuno replies, What? That's the match I wanted. And this is before. <laughs> true. And I sent I sent just recently when you were playing the challenge, or I think it was the ATP event, actually. I sent more that that picture of that conversation i was like dude, when he's confident 
he's unbelievable because he does it. It's like, he just, he doesn't care. You know, I'm the one going, man, I don't, I want to avoid this. Or I want, like I told you in the, in the ATP 250, boy, I'd love to avoid Bublik first round. Mm -hmm. And you're like, why? <laughs> I'm like, well, I, just because it seems like the hardest match, you know, and, and, but when you're playing well, you, you don't care. Right. And then you go through and not only do you get the match you wanted with Sousa, you beat him. And to me, that seemed like that started that run through those Portuguese Federation where yeah. you won three or four of the five. Right. Um, and, yeah. and just had a, a great run uh, with, you know, with Silva and Gastel, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, getting a lot was, of good really competitive good. matches. Yeah, for sure. Again, I wasn't even thinking about those, those Federation matches in the summer were like, I think we all, all of us needed it. I wish there were more, more players that could have played it because it was, they had qualifying, but to get those really like good matches, it's only a few guys and everybody was playing. I knew Sozo was not going to play those all four. Mm -hmm. So excited to play and not that I had that confidence. It, uh, I was just really looking forward to the match. <laughs> so I think that, that's what it, it got me, you know, through the match playing so well. That being said, if you never had to play Elias again, I feel like you've played him 12 times in the past eight months. Like, I would you be like okay five, with that? Six times, yeah. You'd be good? Play, You're like, I don't have to play him anymore? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and honestly, I just think we're both trying to go up in the rankings, so there's no point of us, you know, killing each other all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I want him to go up too, I, but I'd rather go myself. Obviously, when I'm when we're playing each other, but I I want him to you know go up as well. Like like I'm trying. Is it one of those? He's like deals? 31. I mean, he's got to give <laughs> it to the young guy, right? No, I, what they do is they spin the racket. Yeah, you guys spin the racket beforehand, and it's like whoever wins the spin wins the match, and we'll just make it look pretty. Like, okay, because <laughs> I'm not playing you again. Like, that's not going to happen. It's so, yeah, we're just making a grind in and getting tired. There's no point. Yeah, exactly. Like, we'll sweat for an hour and a half and we'll call it. That works for everyone. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, to the point, and you sort of talked about this, you, you made a brief mention, and to Chris's point, uh, striking when the mic is hot. And just, you know, right now, clearly, I mentioned the record already. It's absurd. 15 and 13, multiple futures title. You're having, you make your first challenger final. You make your first ATP level, uh, win your first ATP level match. And then you still play a futures event to start this uh, to start this month you go you know right over to Madrid and you uh, end up making a final of a 15k um, what leads to a decision like that is it simply as Chris kind of referred to you're confident right now play matches while you're playing well I just didn't want to stay two weeks not playing and mm -hmm. I wanted so these two weeks I had in between the 250 the ATP 250 and this challenger there were two weeks so I didn't want to stay you know, home and just practice for the two weeks. I wanted to compete in one of them. And I'd rather rest the second one, even though I had a 25K or so. I was still signed up for uh, two challengers this week in Prague and uh, Biella in Italy. But the cut was insanely oh. high, like 250 for the, the weakest one for qualies, which I was willing <laughs> to play. Obviously, I, I'd I rather... Think they were 250 and 261, I think, is what they were, if I recall. Yeah, which is insane. And That's... obviously, I couldn't play those. So I had to, you know, go back to the 15Ks and play Madrid, even though 
that's not what I really was looking forward to. <laughs> um, I had to suck it up and 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 do it. But I mean, it, that, that's the that's the the tough part about this uh, pandemic. It's there's not there's not many many tournaments, so I I just gotta just gotta sometimes downgrade to where I want to play and and do it. I I thought it was better to compete that week and. And you know, make the most out of it. It could. It was still a learning experience to deal with the this kind of situations, which I I haven't really had. So I think I think it was good. And conditions were different. I played in a little alt altitude, different balls. The the clay was also different. So it it was it was all good. All good for me to you know keep learning and you know experience some other things. You know, I'm healthy, so I I just gotta I just gotta keep competing and do and do as much as I can now. Yeah, and so, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. I, I was going to say so. So you talked about the the break right between the the two fifty and the challenger. But I mean, let's we have to go back to the two fifty, right? I mean, hmm. so you you get you get the wild card into qualifying. Uh, so mm -hmm. I get my first question: Did you have the wild card before the withdrawal of the main draw that ended up pulling somebody up and? And you already, or did that? Was that the the withdrawal that got you in as a wild card? Who got, who got out? Uh, who, so, who, Dimitrov, 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 right. Dimitrov yeah. got replaced by Shapovalov with a wild card. So Shapovalov was uh, also not in the draw. Gotcha. Like okay, so you, so you before. had your wild card before that, but you, you thought no. right that you were in line behind several other Portuguese guys, did you not? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I, I knew Jean Souza was gonna get the first wild card for main draw, and then they had two two others, and one of them I thought maybe was going for Pedro Souza, who was in qualies already, but they ended up giving it to two sharks, like uh, Dimitrov, <laughs> and then Shapovalov and Nishikori, which I mean can't really put myself in front of those guys, <laughs> and honestly I didn't I didn't even expect a wild card for for qualifying. I, I really heard it like the day before. And uh, so I was already there. I was already on the train. I was at the train station when, you know, I talked to the tournament director and he told me I should, I should be, I should be getting it, but no hundred percent confirmation. So I really only knew it like the day before it was like Friday at one or 2 PM when I was going to play the next day. And, I realized I was going to get to play because Gaston was still, you know, in the equation of maybe playing, maybe not. And also Juan Dominguez, who already made quarters of that tournament, that 250. And I honestly thought I had better chances to get in with, in doubles because we just won a challenger together. But I, I guess, I guess not. And, and I mean, I'm still very thankful, and I love the experience of playing singles. But I was expecting, you know, the other way around to get to play doubles and not singles. But I'm, I'm, I was really thankful for that, and I guess I really took the opportunity to do the best I could, and you know, enjoy, enjoy the tournament, and go as far as I as I could, and mm -hmm. test myself as well. Mm -hmm. And to, you know, again, to focus on that result in Estoril, you come through qualifying, you beat Brody and Carbeas Benia, who have both been outstanding at the challenger level, mm -hmm. uh, even in 2021 alone. And then, you know, you knock off Jordan Thompson in straight sets. You come back, was it 5-2 down in the first against Chilich, whatever it was, to win yeah. that set 7-6. Uh, 
again, it's a, it, because we've watched a lot of Nuno tennis over the years. I feel like you are someone who the better the level of the competition, the better you end up playing. Well, I'm curious, getting that exposure, playing, you know, Brody, I think, has won like 75% of his matches this year. And Carbea Espana <laughs> has been a staple and everyone knows Chilich. Uh, what did you think of the level and how your game held up? I think everybody just moves up a few a few spots, you know, when they're playing a higher player. I mean, it's just, you know, like like I said, motivation and the confidence, you know, you really have nothing to lose. So it's just it's just something to gain. So you don't see the down the downsides of it. So you just you just play. And when you don't think about uh, the pressure and stuff like that, obviously you you play better. But you know, I was I was just as surprised as many people because I, I was, you know, hanging in there and I was just doing my thing, not worrying about other things outside of tennis and just focusing on what I need to do to win the match and really just and really just play my tennis and it worked, you know, it was working. Um you know, even Thompson's is not his favorite service and uh, surface and obviously he doesn't feel that comfortable. I mean, I also like probably hardcore better and uh maybe i don't feel as uncomfortable but it's still i was you know just very happy enjoying the moment because i was able to just being competing with a guy top 100 you know not just top 100 you know he's 60 something so um i was really just uh enjoying and more than that is knowing that i can even if I didn't win, it's knowing that I can be competing with those guys and hanging in there and giving myself a chance. Mm-hmm. It, would you say, it's funny, you say you like hard courts better. I don't know, with these recent results, are, is it now Noodle Board is clay court specialist? Like, that might be a thing. No, I think it's a good thing that I've been playing always on, on clay, so I get mm-hmm. to keep the what I've been working on, you know, going and the things that maybe I was lacking, I get to, you know, improve and use that for the next few tournaments. So I haven't played on hardcore for a very long time. It feels like forever, especially coming back from college, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's good that, I, you know, it's more of getting my 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 work going and keeping keeping the, the development that I've been going, you know, just working on the on the aspects of clay of sliding and using my forehand and backhand differently, the serves, the patterns are also different. So I get to keep that rhythm going. And obviously it's been working for me and I've been very happy with how I'm playing. And I still think there's, there's a lot more I need to be doing on clay and, but also on hardcore. So right now I'm a little undecided on whether I play better on clay (laughs) or hard, but I guess, you always have to adapt a little bit. So by tennis is not the same on both surfaces. So I, I'd like to think that I can adapt and, and play better on clay when I need to and on hardcore when I need to. So, and I'm, even if I don't, I, I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, again, your level has been outstanding. And for me, and again, this is just, a, it's a really game-specific thing. You watch, you play for two seconds. You're going to hit a kick side ad serve. Or an ad serve kicks, you know, kick, and we're going to notice it. It's like, oh, man, that ball might actually get into the stands. And then you're going to open up that forehand, and you're going to slap the living hell out of a forehand. And that forehand is going inside in, and it's you're taking the space, and your bet is I'm going to beat you to that spot. Uh, Do you, again, 
Correct me if I'm wrong there, uh, but do you feel that serve, that forehand, clearly the win percentage speaks for itself, that you, that, you know, how important is it to have weapons, I suppose, at the pro level? I, I think it's huge, especially for me, because my movement, I feel like it's a little, a few steps back compared to the rest of my game, and I really need to get that serve and aggressiveness going to, you know, being able to do my game. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, on clay, I think it's a lot easier to make difference with the with the forehand than rather than the slap back, in which it, it really stops on some clay courts. It really doesn't mm-hmm. do much. Mm-hmm. So, to beat these guys, I guess I just, you know, throughout the tournament, I developed this, you know, game where I start finding out what works and what doesn't, and that's that's how I figured the way of you know doing some damage on these on these players. It's through the serve and forehand, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it had to be a little change. So when you get to Chillich, right? So you go through Brody, uh, and then you get RCB, and and then you get Thompson. None of those three guys really a huge weapon, right? Like not. It's not like all of a sudden you get to Chillich now, who's going to obviously bomb serve and crush forehands. Uh, Yeah, and and that's got to be a a tricky game, you know a tricky decision with Chilich because if he's going to miss, you're probably going to get him to miss through the forehand, but then you're mm-hmm. just feeding the monster forehand, hoping he doesn't kill you with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that had to be a change in, you know, in approach from the first, you know, those first three matches into all of a sudden facing Chilich now. I guess, I don't know if it's the difference of level is that, that big, but mm-hmm. with Chilich, I really felt like I was under his control. Like whatever he decides to do, like I'm gonna be having. Like I need to accept it because I was, I was literally just hanging in there. That's how I felt. Rather than the other guys, I felt like I could do my game. You know, I could control with my serve and first ball. You know, and even during the rallies, even though like Carbales Bayena, he was very like intense and aggressive with his strokes from the baseline, which he likes to you know, do that from the baseline a lot. Like I, I thought I still had a good swing at the, at the ball, you know, and Brody obviously like a more of a funky game, like a very flat back and almost like a slice and using the lefty serve, mm-hmm. um, tricking different ways, but they're all different, obviously. But Chilich really like made a punch, like that serve and first ball and, even the returning, when I gave him a little easier serve, he was really taking taking a huge swing at the ball, and I was already on my knees, like, like just <laughs> trying to put the ball on the other side, literally. Yeah. <laughs> he'd, uh, he'd make me very uncomfortable in the rallies. Like, no, he gave me no time. So they're all different matches in some ways, but really, Chilich, I felt like, I, I didn't have control over the match. So when I lose that second set, like 6-4, I mean, I was 40-15 up on 4-all, and he hits, like, three winners, you know? Mm-hmm. And I played, I maybe played one bad point there, but, like, all the other three, and going back from 40-15 to 40-all, like, he hits two winners. Or maybe I barely touch one. <laughs> so I can't really say, like, I, I've done something very wrong. I maybe wasn't aggressive enough, but it's just because all the pressure he puts on on his game. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And again, uh, for you, it was, it's not just Estoril where you've had success, you know, 50, uh, keep coming back to that record, 15, 13, number 301 now in the world. Um, 
we've talked about this before on the podcast. I think Chris sent out a tweet or maybe it was a text or something where what, what's the number of futures he could win, Chris? What, oh, there's some stat where it's like you could win X futures and it only yeah, affects I'd, you. Yeah, I'd be curious if you even pay attention to that now because you've got the points. But I was looking at that same time at the the the, end, the cut lines into the futures and like I think – uh, I think it was Zverev even, Misha, obviously, that was like, had been like the last cut. But if you had won, you know, you get 19 matches to count on your rating. If you won 19 15Ks in a row, you'd have 190 points. If you won 19 25Ks in a row, you'd have 380 points. That mm-hmm. week, neither one of them was enough to get you into a challenger. Uh, <laughs> so like, like those 300, so you could have won... 19 25ks in a row and you still don't even get into the challenger so when that's the yeah. case right i think i mean i, I gotta believe guys like you there's a problem that. with the system yeah yeah because now that means that basically you have to you're you're in a good spot relatively from the perspective of you know you're one of the best portuguese players it's not a field it's not like italy where there's you know 500 guys or something yes. right you're going to get some opportunities you know the canadian guys mm-hmm. are going to get opportunities yeah. but yeah some of these other if you're from you know if you're from italy or you're from france or somewhere mm-hmm. like that you can go out and win every futures tournament there is if someone doesn't give you a wild card and you don't take advantage of it i don't know how you make that jump to the next level and to that point even you with having now you got a main draw win in an actual yeah. 250 you've made a final and a challenger and yet we're we're still sitting here talking going you can't even get into qualifying of a challenger yet still you you know you've got 185 points 187 <laughs> whatever it is and and it takes more than that to get in and you're going to play the challenger next week i don't know do you know if you're getting qualies or main draw for the 125, I don't get in. I mean, 100%, I'm not even getting into qualies. But on the 50, then the week after, I'm already into main draw. Okay. So I think there's going to be a few weeks where there's less challenges and the cut is just insanely high. But I think most of the times I'll be able to play, which I still uh, I still agree that there's maybe a little, you know, problem right now. because I think it's just because of the number of the tournaments available. I think that's it. If there's more tournaments, I think the whole thing, you know, gets back to normal. And yeah, if we have know, three challenges, a little under cuts are easier. Even guys on the 400s should get to play challengers if they're willing to play qualies. I, I mean, even main draw, sometimes there's a few spots open for guys for 400, 500. And I think that's, that's reasonable. Those guys are winning futures a hundred percent, or at least they have the level to. So I think, you don't need you don't need to win ten in a year to be able to play the next stage, which you know it's so hard to you know even win three or four in a year. I think uh, if you do constant like consistently semis and finals and winning, you should you should be able to play the the next step, which is the challengers. I, but mm-hmm. I think I think the whole thing will go back to normal in the summer. Mm-hmm. So that was my larger question: is to that point. It's very much a product of the ranking system. I know it, a lot of it, hey, we've used this word before, mentality, but, you know, 
does it get frustrating yeah. because you're clearly your level and it's funny there are elo ratings and whatever that measure who you're beating and just the success and they have you right around the top 200 right you're, you you're certainly playing when you're going 50 and 13 you should probably be advancing against the level of competition does it get frustrating at all or is it again a, a hope that we're a few months away from this being solved I mean, I'm getting I'm getting all these opportunities to play challengers in Portugal, so I can't I I'm the I'm the guy that can't complain, you know. But I still not just for me, for a lot of players out there, like like 400s, 500s, it's incredibly hard to go up right now because of how the system is is going for them now, and uh, you know the decisions are not made by us, and I I honestly don't know the the real math, but from what I've been seeing, I think. It's a little exaggerated how they're keeping points and keeping points from like three different years by now. And <laughs> the ones you're losing, you're losing half if I'm not wrong. So I think it's crazy. I don't even know how that system works, you know, with all this counting and it's crazy. I don't get it too much into that because in the end, I just, I can't do anything That's about why that. That's why you have me. need to focus on playing. That's why <laughs> I got Chris. I mean, he yeah. does all the, all the Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, and he'll send them to you. No, he shares them. Yeah, no, I saw that finance homework. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Uh, but, I wasn't, no, I wasn't I mean, in finance anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, yeah, I, I can imagine. And I so appreciate hearing your mentality regarding all of these things because, it, you know, they are coming back to normal again. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but just, you know, some rapid fire down the home stretch with all the uncertainty about the events what do the next few months look like for you? Because 301, you'll get into futures. Will you get into challengers? Maybe, maybe not. You know, what, what, what do the next few months look like for Nuna? That is a good question. Honestly, all I, all I have scheduled for certain is are the challengers that are spread out th- throughout the year in, in Portugal. Everything else, it's going to be more of a last-minute decision because I don't know where I'm getting in yet. I have uh, I have a few options, but even those options are changing every week. So I really I'm I can say that I'm gonna try to play challenges as much as I can, and even if I get it to up to a two fifty, obviously I'll, I'll try to take the chance. But uh, yeah, I might need to play some more futures, and I don't know. Yeah, I really don't have a a fixed schedule right now because of how things have been so so all over the place with the with the pandemic i can't really tell where where i'm heading next i know these next two weeks are going to be in portugal and i'm focused on that <laughs> i mean i'm signed up for a bunch of stuff after and i'll i'll figure it out you know more like in two weeks so you're basically going to put you know other than the ones you know in portugal you can get into yeah. you'll you'll put in for the other like, european challengers and just you know mm-hmm. kind of play it by ear if you get in you get in if yeah. you don't maybe go play a futures yeah, I thought about going to the States, but I mean, it's it's very hard right now. And I don't even know if I get to play weeks straight there. So it really, I really, I really feel like it's easier in Europe, even though it might be a little more competitive, which not, not necessarily, but uh, it's just closer. And with all this, like if I get infected or something, it'd suck to have to stay, you know, in another continent and do a quarantine away from where I want to be. So I, I'm just staying closest I, I can to, to home and play these Portuguese challengers because I, I get those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And again, 
uh, we are all looking forward to seeing you on court because clearly that success has translated from college to uh, the pro circuit. Now, I do have some fun rapid-fire questions for you down the stretch and just hopping around from topic to topic. True or false, Chris Hallioris has offered to RV you around the world and be your, you know, active coach and your active facility uh, supporter uh, to all that of your pro tour a, events. A, a true, absolutely. He told <laughs> and me. second part of that question is you have rejected him every time he's offered. Uh, yeah, that's also a, a true. <laughs> not a rejection, more like a not now, maybe later. <laughs> I when it, things have gone open. To- I keep it. I keep it in a, as an option. Absolutely, it's just I have been. Uh, I've been playing futures more often. Once I get to challengers, like I, I thought honestly, once I get to challengers, I would get the opportunity to, you know, come to the states and play a few straight, and maybe then uh, after this pandemic, I get to have that experience with Chris. No, you don't realize he'll come to Europe. He'll bring the RV overseas. There, no, there's no, you, you there's tell no need him. for that. There's no need for that. <laughs> Listen, the, the, the joke is the other thing that I've also told him, and I mean, it, it's still only May. So, you know, he's got some big challengers coming. It, it could happen. I told him I'm, I'm, I've got my reservation for the box seat at Wimbledon already. I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> Not even we, the US Open. I already Wimbledon. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, who the hell wants to go to New York? Not me. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm in for you know Roland Garros or London or something, but uh, you know, coming from an American, that that might hurt some people's feelings. Yeah, oh, it's okay. <laughs> or everyone, I think everyone will agree. They'll be like, no, yeah. that's that's no fair. desire. Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. But no. Th- that's uh yeah no no pressure though just Wimbledon yeah. that's it um yeah it is, not it is like nice. the champagne challenger yeah it's got to be front row at Wimbledon but uh you know again sticking with this theme of rapid fire you get to replay one of these matches and I'm, I'm not guaranteeing you're going to flip the results but you get an attempt to flip the result do you replay the Torpegard junior year match or do you replay Jub your senior year I'll replay Torp. I thought yeah. about it before. I honestly, I think I had better chances against Torp than against Job that match. Just the way I was yeah. feeling and how the match went, I was lucky to get a tiebreaker in uh, against uh, against Job. So, Torp for sure. Mm-hmm. How worn down is it to play one singles and then look? You have a full fall, all of these different things. Like that's match number fifty for you on the year. That NCAA final against Job. What's do you have anything left in the tank at that point? <laughs> I thought I had more than I had, honestly, you know, just how pumped I was to, you know, get to play. But when the nerves kick in, you feel a little heavier than you want to and uh, than I expected. And, uh, yeah, you don't really get many matches off playing at one. So I was always at my at my limit. And even though you don't only get to play twice or three times a week, once you got to that part of the season, you're playing every day. So I was also in doubles that also build up. So. It was a, it was just a, I mean, it was just a accumulation of uh, stress and nervousness, just everything. Um, mm-hmm. But still, still no, a good run. Gruskin, the, the worst part about the final against Jub, it, it's not the fact that Nuno lost. Clearly, it's the fact that four of us taped Nuno on our chests. And we're ready to rip the shirts <laughs> off when he won, and we never got to do it. No I mean, way! It, uh... You actually did that. Oh, yeah, me, Strali, Nick, and Noah. We had Nuno taped on our, I think it was, my, Todd might have been one of them. I don't know, but we, we had Nuno in black tape 
I would have made a, a bigger push if you if I saw that beforehand. <laughs> Oh, no. The reason I ask is because playing that match, the adrenaline, the pumping, was that a pretty good warm-up for the adrenaline I imagine you feel lining up against Thompson in that main draw Estoril match? Oh, no. I mean, I was very nervous as well. I mean, it was my first main draw Mm -hmm. ATP match, but I also Mm -hmm. didn't have the crowd, which... I think it was very beneficial for me to not have the, the whole like stadium full watching me because I would be feeling nervous. Uh, while against Job, it literally felt like I was the last, it was the last match in college I would I would ever play. So I think I was I was dead nervous. I don't think I'll get ever, like any more nervous until I play like a final of Grand Slam if I ever do. You know. <laughs> um, so <laughs> sure. yeah, it, it still it would be a different a different feeling. But yeah, I, I was more tight against job playing that final than Vince against Thompson just because I didn't have the crowd and I didn't feel that like that much intimidated. Mm-hmm. No, again, it's totally fair then to watch those matches unfold uh, were so much, so exciting. And, you know, again, when you look at your four years or at least your last three, did you think you were the best player in college tennis? Because I feel like you have to, right? If you want to be the best player in college tennis, you kind of have to think that. And so, you know, it's not often I get to speak with a guy who's number one in the nation and just all of those different accolades. Do, do you have to have that sort of belief to be number one? Honestly, I don't need. I need. I don't need to have it. I'm extremely proud of what I've done, even if you know I don't get to be mm-hmm. the best of all those four years or three years. Um, the whole just. The way I started and the way I finished just it brings me, you know, a lot of satisfaction just knowing the work I've done and how how far I've come. It really it really is so gratifying to to see that, and that's honestly all I all I can think of uh, of those you know those four years and not just three, just the four. And I mean, if you think of you know Petrus could be easily the the best. I mean, he's he's won NCAs, all American, and and the fall nationals, and also was a a national champ. Which, I mean, I can, I don't know if I can compete with that. Uh, I can but, compete but against him one on one, but his 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 highlights <laughs> yeah. are for sure uh, very very impressive. So he's yeah, just like, one you... of those guys that I I remember. There's not many like him, but I'm sure there's a couple that you know stand out as well. Well, now, so I know you. Now you'll have a better memory of this than me. I know you beat him, obviously, for falls. He also couldn't close you out at indoors from five-two double break. Yeah, Nuno <laughs> gets both breaks back to five all, and then uh, we lose the match. Uh, Nuno think... avoids being the, <laughs> the loser at the indoors. The one loses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um... But did, did you ever? Lo- but I, I feel like you lost to him once as well. Did I don't? But I don't recall. Did you or not? I don't remember. You lost to Goyo, right, in NCAA? Yes. I didn't get to play against him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was the one time we played at Wake Forest, and I was one and he was one. Because he also switched to two. So even if we played him, maybe I didn't play him. But yeah, I think that was the only time, the only time we played. But honestly, I think I've no, I come a mean, long way from that first time we played to that second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And again, yeah. when you look yeah, at the, su- the success, 
Mm-hmm. No, and, and again, when you look at uh, the success, Borna, Petros, yourself, Oliver Crawford now having a bunch of success at the future circuit, Torp obviously another one, Mackie McDonald was there early on for you, all these guys going from college and into top 400, 300, 200 yeah. into the challenger level. Uh, obviously, it speaks to how impressive it was that you were able to be ranked number one in the country. That being said, I also heard a rumor that Mississippi State has still offered to pay for your back surgery after all of the caring you did of Strali your junior season. Is that true I told or false? the university there's no way anybody's paying for that besides Strali because he's the one that needs to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, this is something Strali needs to, to get done, not the university. This is not the university's fault. <laughs> no, just... uh, but I mean to be to be along for that ride number one the country singles doubles what how it had to have been more fun the doubles part right yeah. you and Strali just win all that winning I together I honestly didn't feel like I carried it we 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 were good at different you things did. and we complemented each other so <laughs> and uh <laughs> we just got a, a a good thing going I mean we're great friends so obviously that was a a big boost to our game and chemistry feeling like we could you know, tell each other whatever it needs to be needs to be said, which it isn't easy sometimes to a guy you don't know that well. So, yeah, but it was all it was mm-hmm. all like a very fun ride, and a lot less exhausting than mm-hmm. singles for sure. <laughs> what is the strangest thing he ever said to you during a match? Because I have to imagine you were like, what you were just like, what? You're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I don't I don't have one sticking in my head, but I I remember like he. I did say something that made him start bawling in the middle of the match. <laughs> it was like, what? I don't even know what I said. It was something like I said, come on, let's go. And maybe threw in some Portuguese curse in there. And he loved it. Like, he started dying. It was, the moment was tight, so not a moment to start laughing. <laughs> I was so into it that he starts cracking up. But I don't know. Looking back, I don't remember. Oh, I guess we didn't say too many weird things. We we joke around a little bit, start mm-hmm. talking about stuff that actually didn't really matter. But um, I guess it would keep our minds fresh for the for the thing itself. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And then you know, Chris, I'll give you the final question. My last one, though. The first time you met Chris Halioris, and obviously you knew Trevor for a healthy amount of time. When was the at that first point. time? I don't even. Were know. you like? But you had to have said to yourself, there's no way a man this ugly is Trevor Fauché's uncle. First I I could say you were his uncle. I mean, he had to introduce me, like, obviously, so I can never tell. But he does look like uh, Melissa a lot. (laughs) That that would have had to be uh, the uh, kickoff freshman year in Tampa. You were to – no, was it like – uh fort myers no well you guys went there first but then you came you played at usf right it was the lsu florida oh, state yes, USF and yes yeah we went two times to florida in like a month or something yeah yeah and so i didn't <laughs> i didn't see in fort myers but i was there for yes. the kickoff weekend and you were you had just obviously gotten there in january so mm-hmm. that you know you hadn't probably been there more than two weeks at that point yeah yeah I guess that was the first time, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the question is, uh, actually. What, what should I say? <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> I guess that 
the question is is Chris ugly? And the answer is <laughs> yeah, no, no. He's beautiful on the inside. Yeah, um, he can't, he can't yeah, say yeah, that. Or uh, the, you uh, know, uh, no. Let's be honest. The RV's always on the table. It doesn't matter what yeah, he says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so uh, now, and Chris, you know, I think you're beautiful. But fi- the floor yeah, is I got, yours. So we got to. So you know, Nuno, Nick, Trevor, Strali, those guys become best friends. They live together for a couple years. I say they live together, but Nuno, you guys didn't really live together because you had Anna, Trevor had Madsen, Nick had whatever. What did Strolley have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had himself sometimes, you know? Yeah. Like he'd be alone in his room and all three of us would be away. So the the apartment was his, basically. Yeah. It was Strolley basically <laughs> had a four bedroom apartment to himself. Basically. You know? Paying only one room, you know. But but I do I do have to bring yeah. up so one of my favorite memories, Gruskin, and uh, uh, we're all sitting in the apartment, and at this point in time, uh, Strolly, Trevor, Nuno, and I all very heavily into Clash Royale. Nuno Nuno knows what's coming now as he gets the big smile. Nuno starts a battle. He's on his phone, starts a battle in, in the middle of a game, and these games in Clash Royale last three minutes. He's probably 20 seconds into his battle. And what happens, Nuno? Is uh, Anna calling me? No. Oh, no. Anna's there. Anna comes over, takes the phone straight out of Nuno's hand, <laughs> turns it off, and puts it down. And says, like, you don't need to be playing that game. <laughs> <laughs> Where was so, that? I don't remember. I, I just I remember know. her doing that. I don't remember where. Oh, it was in the apartment, sitting on the couch. Yeah, you were you were there at that point. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get too much into it sometimes. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. yeah. No. Again, you're competitive. Uh, I, from I need start to, to you know, always be like competing. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it from me, Gruskin. I, I mean, I could go. That's, I could one, go. Of, that's, that's like one of your favorite memories. Say... Come on. Oh no, I've got lots of favorite memories, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, he just doesn't want to get yeah, you in yeah, trouble with the sponsors. Keep it, keep it. Like he can't, he saw you beautifully outfitted in head, and he was like, "I can't say what happened at Thanksgiving." Like I can't say that out loud. I, I, t- um, I'll, I will tell you but, one of my favorite Nuno matches from very very early. We're playing Georgia, and Nuno's playing Oosterbach. And this is this is at South Carolina, right? Is that where it's at? I can't remember it where is. it is. It is. Yeah. It was the South Carolina of the SEC tournament. At South Carolina, and Nuno doesn't start out great. I mean, he's just getting into it, trying to figure out, you know, how the hell to hit the Oosterbach return back. Yeah. And uh, I remember by the end of the match, Oosterbach, and I love Oosterbach, but Oosterbach is just – He's not even talking to himself. He's yelling to himself. Like, the guy's like, like he hits my – how does he hit that back? I don't understand. He's all over my serve. I can't even get the ball back. What's he doing? Uh, I remember you know, him complaining to his coach, like, what can I do with that second serve return? Like, he's hitting in my feet. I can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, Nuno gets figures his second <laughs> serve out, and it's just blasted right at his feet every time, and he, he, he has no answer. That was uh, – yeah, from the early that's that was when I knew right there that you know that's Nuno was gonna you know he was gonna become what we saw over the next several years of, of Nuno at that point. Yeah, I mean, 
Look, uh, as many of our Cracked Rackets listeners will know, we have been fans of you. We have we initiated the NDN policy, never doubt Nuno. Uh, we are, you know, head of the fan club. It's me, Chris, Andrew Goodwin, and we all uh, we assemble like once a month to just acknowledge the kick serve forehand combo, and we just praise it. Yeah, I just for a little bit longer, it. but. Yes, of course. And again, we are so grateful you took the time. Be safe. Thank be you. healthy. Good luck to you uh, as you figure out your schedule, all of these events. But, you know, you, you, we've got a seat open for Thank you God. always Thank here you at Crack Rackets. Thanks, guys. It was my pleasure. all of you enjoyed our conversation today a huge thank you to Nuno for taking the time to chat a huge thank you to Chris as well I suppose for setting it all up no seriously this podcast doesn't happen without Chris Hallior so thank you to him and again you can just tell the relationship Chris and Nuno shared uh it's a special one and what that relationship between Nuno and Mississippi State what it means to him not just in the moment but moving forward as well Nuno was such a good representative of college tennis and I know all of us college tennis fans all of us fans in general I think are rooting for his success on the ATP Tour. So again, a huge thank you to him for taking the time to chat. We hope all of you listeners enjoyed today's conversation. Of course, this is the first of many college tangent conversations we have had and will be having over the next week here at Cracked Rackets. I mentioned it at the top. I am live in Orlando for the NCAA Championships, hoping to talk to all of the players, all of the coaches at some point this week in particular. I know Media Day is planned for Tuesday. Of course, Chris has Alioris, Matt Stokowiak, and I are going to be in-person podcasting on Wednesday and recapping all of the action throughout the week, so be sure to be on the lookout for that on the Mini Break Podcast. And then, of course, if you need any updates on everything happening in the tennis world, be sure to tune into our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to super producers Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a of an editing job to do and you may have heard some choppiness in my intro outro that's because my microphone wants to misbehave when he knows super producer daniel westoff isn't going to come down and put him in his place so apologies for that going to try and figure it out as the week goes on but again shout out to the super producer shout out to our friends at midwest sports go to there's a tennis point now i'm not sure we will have a clarification i'm sure at some point from dave limke but again midwestsports.com the promo code is cr15 and again to check out all of our content, uh, be sure to head over to the website crackrackets.com. With that in mind, for our wonderful guest, Nuno Borges, my co-host, Chris Hallioris, our super producers, Max Leader and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.